In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Welcome to The Career Confidant, and good afternoon if you are tuning in live. If you've downloaded the podcast, thank you, and we are so happy to have you listening in to The Career Confidant. This is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and as you know, if you've been listening in, we are here today and throughout the Career Confidant show to help you figure out how to manage your own career, knowing that we are all going towards being free agents, and we know we are in charge of moving our own careers forward today. And so this show is really here to help you, and each week I will share my experiences helping thousands of professionals advance their career and bring in industry leaders to provide career intelligence to help you stay ahead of the curve and moving forward in your career. So we're all about you, and we enjoy getting your comments and your questions, both at GetCareerSmart.com, and the blog is there with our Get Career Smart tips, as well as if you always have any time have a question or a comment, you can write to me at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at AStrategicAdvantage.com with those questions or comments. Now, today, we are going to be talking about branding again, and we've talked about branding a couple of times during the show, and, and really, what is a brand, and how do you build one for yourself? And so, if you haven't listened in before, really, the idea of branding is that you have a clear idea of what value you want to bring to an organization, how you're unique, what strengths you bring, and then also the other side of the brand is knowing what an organization is looking for, knowing what their problems might be, and who your target audience is. And the branding is the ability to share your unique strengths and 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 qualities and skills in a way that shows how they meet that target audience's needs. And so a lot of times it is marketing people who have that expertise. And today I have a very special guest joining us, Ruth Tankretz, who has her MBA and has done a lot of work in marketing and then transferred over and also does resume and LinkedIn profile and all of those career documents with individuals. And so today, Ruth and I are going to be talking about the five branding mistakes that we see most job seekers or career changers or even people who are looking to advance make. And so, Ruth, thank you for joining us today. Well, thank you, Marie. I'm very pleased to be here. And it's fun to talk about the top five branding mistakes because it's something that we can all look and um, correct and change and adjust in order to improve our image and improve what we're trying to communicate with others. So I'm going to jump in and start talking about those top five branding mistakes. And the first one is age. And how are you aging yourself? For example, it might be through your thought process, your self-perception. Are you ready to learn those new skills? Or are you intimidated by, you know, potential peers or um, just not ready to learn something new? Also, how are you dressing? And what do you look like on paper? So the age can be a big factor. A second factor can be aim. Is it clear where you're adding value to the organization? Is, do you have a clear goal on what you want to do with your career? Do you know the companies you want to work with? Are you ready to have the skills that are necessary for that aim? And one of the general things that comes up is a lot of times we as people have a tendency just to say a general statement. For example, I've increased revenues or I'm a business expert. But what does that really mean and can you qualify that and quantify that and show through training that you've got those particular skills or expertise? A third branding mistake is image. What's the first impression you're giving people, both on paper and person? Are you dressing appropriately? Does your resume read smooth and easy um, for whoever you're sending that 
document two, or does that information come across in a different way than intended? Your LinkedIn profile is really interesting, too, that social media, your picture, your content there. You need to make sure your image is coming across the way you want it to. A fourth branding mistake is legacy, and that can be both legacy systems. Maybe we're kind of trapped in the mindset that um, something like a DOS will never go away, or we could be stuck in an industry that's dying, and we're not letting go of those legacies. And finally, the fifth branding mistake is our communication plan. How are we getting our message across, and are we using the communication methods or um, ways and systems that will match our brand? Yeah, that's great. The, the five were age, name, image, legacy, and communication plan. And, you know, one of the ones that I see trip up people a lot, especially people, well, I won't say that, age. Age is a funny one because <laughs> it's not a branding mistake to be old or young. That's not what we're saying. Oh, did I lose your room? Nope, I'm still here, and you're correct, Marie, with the age. It, it doesn't matter your true age. It's just how are you coming across with that, and we've had younger job seekers who um, come across very old in, in their information that they're presenting, and some people who don't mean to age themselves um, might put dates from the 1980s on their documents, and that doesn't necessarily help or benefit them for their brand. Yeah, yeah, and a lot of that is thinking about what the perceptions might be of your age. And I talk to even millennials about that, right? What do older, quote-unquote, older hiring managers think about millennials? What are they afraid of, right? They're afraid that you're going to be entitled. They're afraid that you aren't going to have a work ethic. And so how can you answer those things in your documents, in your LinkedIn profile, and in an interview, I think the same is true if you're, you know, quote-unquote un, quote older. First, to think about really are you older. I've talked with several people in their 40s who describe themselves as older, and I, I would challenge that. And then, two to think about what are the pre, um, what are the ideas people have about someone who's older, and how can we address those, right? Our, our enthusiasm, whatever it might be, can we address those issues? Is there anything else you've seen up with age? Well, I think this is a very interesting time for any worker, and that is we have so many generations in the workplace. And so age to me is um, something that you don't have to identify as much as what are you bringing to the table? What skills can you offer? How can you go ahead and contribute? If you're not going to learn any new skills or you're going to um, be worried that a manager might be younger than you, I think the focus needs to be readjusted. And so... What are you really saying about yourself, and what what are you also putting out there? And I'll tell you, there have been some older workers who are more than willing to learn those new skills, and their age is just irrelevant. Same thing with some young workers that just get in there and get the job done. So I think it's a a matter of that self-perception, and then also where are you at um, as far as your willingness to learn, to bend, to be flexible. Yeah, which takes you right into AIM, right? If instead mm-hmm. of focusing on our age or even years of experience, right? Sometimes that drives me crazy when people highlight their years of experience at the top of the resume because really <laughs> the AIM is how are we adding value and how can we add value tomorrow, right? Absolutely. And with that aim, you've got to be clear where you're going. You can't simply just assume that you can put all of your information on one document and people will pick out the best parts of you. That's not a clear aim. And so when you think about the aim, think about the value you add. It's not that you don't have those other skills or you're not capable of them. It's just for that particular part of communication or your branding. You want to make sure it's clear that there's a nice match. Yeah. Yeah. And listeners, if you're thinking that your name may be a little fuzzy, we did a show in late January, early February, totally on career focus. And the branding session that we did in February also goes through kind of the basics of your brand in terms of what skills are you using, what's your unique value, and then what types of companies or industries you targeting, and that's the foundation of your brand, really is that aim. And absolutely. Oh, no, I was just saying absolutely. I agree with you, Marie. That's perfect. Yeah. 
yeah. And then we go into the image. So I think that once we have our aim, kind of some of these things built in there, but that image really is their first impression, whether that's online or on paper. And tell me, Ruth, what do you think when you see a LinkedIn profile that doesn't have a picture on it? You know, I think that's one of the biggest mistakes. If you're going to participate in the social media, participate all the way, all the way, try and understand what that social media platform is doing for you. And if you're a person who um, maybe shies away from pictures or doesn't necessarily um, want to have a social aspect, maybe like Facebook isn't the place for you to be. And LinkedIn is a professional place that does have an acceptance for the pictures. Being professional in that picture is key as well. We don't want to have, you know, a picture of our fluffy cat on LinkedIn, that's not exactly the social media platform for it. So your image is really important to your brand, and you don't want to make a silly mistake by being too playful or being too serious. Um, there's a place also on LinkedIn that you can add some information about groups that you're interested, other interests you have, and that's so nice to have a, a huge um, contribution of what else is of interest to you, not just only the professional aspects. Yeah, yeah, and it builds that fuller image. And then the next one, legacy. And someone said to me once, you know, if you call yourself a technology person or you look up to date, but you carry around out of date technology, right? Like <laughs> a flip phone or whatever it might be. If you're if you're trying to portray yourself as being up with the times, and then that's part of your image, your brand, and and really probably for most of us that that's going to benefit us for that to be part of your brand. So, you know, we need to date our technology skills as well. But what goes into that legacy piece? Well, and the legacy piece can be a little bit challenging, Marie, because sometimes we have built an entire career based on one technology or one platform, and it's so hard to let that go. And really step back and say, hey, what is, you know, what what could be used in another organization or what just needs to be let go because there is no technology that's going to um, continue on and I'm making a career essentially death mark here by continuing down this road. Now, we can think about the typewriters and, and where that has gone to. Very, very few typewriters are there and so if you were getting your career going and maybe you have 10, 15, 20 years experience in that field, if you want to continue working, clearly that path is no longer going to be the open path it once was many years ago. Yeah. And then the last piece was the communication plan. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that later, but I think that's the idea of how are people seeing your brand. And when oftentimes people talk about branding they forget to think about the active part of it. That yes, we create what we want people to see and think about our first impression and we think about our aim, but then we also have to think about how we're getting out there and how we're communicating it. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes and we're going to talk through how some of these branding mistakes appear in your communication. So resume, cover letter, LinkedIn profile. So stay tuned and we'll come back in just a few minutes and dig into these branding mistakes on paper. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Engage with Andy Bush takes you inside the mind of a top global market and public policy analyst who has been featured regularly on CNBC, Yahoo Finance, and numerous radio and television programs. Our program will bring you guests and stories from the top of the political and business worlds. Each show includes Andy's point of view roundup and what it means for you at home. Life's complicated. Let Andy help you figure it out. Tune in every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Business Channel. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. 
You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader, Extraordinary Life, every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Well, welcome back to The Career Confidant. And we are talking today with Ruth Pankratz, who is a marketing expert and a career professional. And we're talking about the top five brand mistakes. And we've talked a little bit about these five mistakes in general, age, aim, edge, legacy, and the communications plan. And now we're going to talk a little bit about how these look on paper. So in your resume, in your LinkedIn profile, how might some of these mistakes be showing themselves? And what might you look for in your documents or profiles to see if you're, you have some improvements to make? So Ruth, what are some of the top mistakes that you see? Let's start with on a resume. Some of the ways that you see people themselves on a resume? Well, I think first and foremost, we forget that we're our own product. We're selling ourselves. And so your resume really is a marketing document. And just like any other product, you talk about the benefits. You don't want to talk about um, deficits or areas that need to be developed. And so when we think about the career professionals and they have a resume and or any sort of document that they're handing out, you want to think about a couple things such as Am I aging myself or am I putting out a bad image? Maybe the font size is too large or the font is too small. Think about what is proportional and what is a good reflection on you. There's been lots of talk these days about color on resumes, whether you should use it or not. Well, maybe if you're a person who's going into that graphic industry and there is more of a, a understanding within your peers that color is part of who you are, you want to incorporate that. Likewise, if you're in banking and it's a little more reserved, you may not want to have a whole bunch of color um, added to your documents. So really understanding what you're putting out there on your documents in the image, the first impression, and then we can talk about the aim once again. Is there a clear direction? Is it clear where you can add that value? Those are going to be some really important components to branding yourself. Yeah, and one of the things that I think we maybe don't think about, but talk to me a little about, and you know, this is getting into detail, but I think it's important what do you think when you see a resume that has really big font? <laughs> the really big font resume. You know, sometimes um, several things come across uh, to me when I see a really big font. The first thing I do is just kind of look at the pages to see if maybe the person thought there was a standard resume and it had to be two pages long and they're trying to fill up the two pages. Um, if that's not the case, then the next thing I start to look at is, well, what, what else are they communicating here? Why is the font so large? And it can be something as simple as on screen, it looked okay, and then they didn't realize when you print the document that it's coming across different. So always, always, always make sure that you print your documents as well as look at them on screen. Um, and then the font size can be big because maybe the font choice is not a good one. It's not a clear font. So making sure that the font is legible is important as well. And I know a lot of people want to differentiate their brand by, you know, maybe using a Gothic font or some sort of font that's non-traditional. However, there still has to be, at the end of the day, an usability of reading the documents. Yes, you want the documents to be unique. Yes, you want the documents to brand you. But at the end of the day, somebody is going to read it. And so you want to make sure it's legible. Having a font that's too big is just as um, irritating to our eyes as having a font size that's way too small. 
Yeah, and it's sometimes hard to find that happy medium. So I like that idea of printing it out. And you know, if your font's too big, you can come across as lower level than you might want to, because that's typically who use big fonts. Like you said, to fill the page is maybe someone who doesn't have its experience. And so I've seen that on several documents where it, you know, it just doesn't come across at the level that I think they want to be at. And it's an interesting detail that I think makes it a big difference. Absolutely. And I've seen some great one-page documents that are on-brand. They're professional. They look great. And they have wonderful content. And so it doesn't matter that it's one or two pages. Let's not let that become the um, focus here. I I think the focus is communicating the value you can add in a nice, tangible way for the reader. Yeah. And then thinking about the, and even like some of the easy things about our documents, you know, what is your email and even your phone number, I see a lot of people that still use the parentheses around the first two numbers of their phone number. <laughs> and today that is kind of a fishy thing, right? We don't need those parentheses because you, that's not an optional an optional dial now. Most of the time we're dialing all 10 digits. Correct. And, you know, it's, it goes, there are things that go out of style with these resumes and, and out of style with any sort of branding. And it's not just the phone number. It also has to do if somebody has an objective on their resume. Um, some of these older techniques that really do date you um, are probably not the best branding strategies for a serious job seeker to use. Yeah, and you were talking about the objective, and I think just that word has gone out of style. Of course, we still want something at the top that shows what our aim is. Today, that's more of a line and or a professional summary, right? Absolutely, absolutely. And when when you think about how you're presenting yourself on paper, remember all those five branding mistakes can come out. You can age yourself, your aim can be unclear, your image can not be a good first impression, and even some of those terminology um, or the words you would use adds to a legacy issue as well. Yeah, to make sure that you're communicating the right technology. And what I come across with a lot of people in the legacy category is that they're talking a lot about a technology that they want to get out of. And if you want to get out of printing, that your resume is full of that verbiage. Guess, get what, guess what your brand is? Absolutely, absolutely. And, you know, other things, um, if you look at some of the current resumes, some of the trends is to write out the word million. Um, in, in the past, some people would add all those zeros and think that it would attract the eye or um, add to the weight to their documents. But what it really does is it starts to detract. So those outdated words using um, formats that just aren't conducive to the reader, all those things could be some really bad branding mistakes. Yeah, now let's talk a little bit about the image problems that might come up. And when we did this with a group of career professionals, one of the image problems that they saw is using a functional format, meaning that the experience is listed at the bottom and that all of the um, skills and or accomplishments are grouped by skill set but taken out of the context of where they happen. And what do you see as some of the issues with building kind of resume? Well, I think the type of resume you use, um, it should support what you're trying to, what your aim is, what you're trying to project. And I think the bigger thing is making sure that whoever is going to be receiving the documents, that adds value to their reading. And so when you use a um, chronological resume, which is the most traditional, or you use a functional resume, if you're not highlighting how you're adding value, the functional resume can fall flat on its face, and and it can show that um, there are issues within your work history. Likewise, a functional resume can be great if you have some of those gaps, if there's some, maybe you want to use some of the skills from previous years and you want to showcase that talent that you have or those abilities you have. The functional resume can make a lot of sense. Yeah, but I think the important thing there, as you said, is audience, right? There are some audiences where a functional resume is just not going to fly, mainly federal types of jobs, even federal contractors, traditional, more traditional types of organizations aren't going to like that. And one of the things I've seen is administrative professionals, for some reason, the functional format does not go over well with hiring managers. Are there any other specific 
things that you've seen the functional fat work or not work? Well, I think the functional works great for somebody who's um, entering back into the marketplace. Some of us may have raised families or taken care of family members, and and we have that little gap. Um, Or we've been switching industries or we're switching our job aim. Sometimes that functional resume is exactly what we need, and and so that makes complete sense. Once again, you want to make sure whatever you create, whatever documents you're using, that your brand is coming through clear, your aim is coming through clear, and that you are using only the information applicable to that particular um, job. So we all have lots of skills and talents throughout our career. But a big mistake is to list everything and assume the person who's reading it is going to pick and pull out those right talents that they need. Look at whatever the job op- opportunity is, consider what skills are needed for it, and then selectively brand yourself, whether you're using functional or chronological, to understand how the reader is going to see your value quickly. And sometimes it works for um, job seekers to set out both a functional and chronological resume, and then it's instantly easy to see once you have it on paper, oh, I look much better this way than I did this way. Yeah, and I think this may be an area where you and I differ because I'm not so high on the functional resume um, to necessarily hide gaps, mostly because I've seen a chronological resume be able to hide those gaps because it Mm. spreads out years on paper, whereas a functional kind of shoves them together at the end and makes the gaps and dates pretty obvious. So I think it is building both and and looking at or really thinking about what are you trying to show. And if you're trying to show experience and growth, then a functional probably won't show that. If you're trying Mm -hmm. to show skills but not necessarily where you earned them or where you got them, then the functional can work. And usually for low-level positions, I don't see a functional work very well for any type of manager, director, or above positions. But let's move on here to talking about LinkedIn profile a little bit. So the LinkedIn profile is, a, is kind of a struggle, and we've talked about the picture part of it. But in your summary, some of the same things you want to get across. Do you see see any other branding mistakes that people make in the summary of their LinkedIn profile, or what are the ways that these five branding mistakes show up in a LinkedIn profile? Oh yeah, the branding mistakes. It, you know what? It's um, the LinkedIn profile. It's it's anything that you're creating content around yourself, and so. One of the most common things I see on LinkedIn um, that I feel are big mistakes are having a summary that um, is very, very generic. Good at business. I mean, how could, how more generic could you get than that? That doesn't tell anything about who you are, what value you add. Another way that we can make mistakes on LinkedIn profiles is having a summary that um, maybe detracts or is too generic. And we say things like business expertise, increased revenues, but we have nothing tangible or quantifiable around that. Everybody has accomplishments. Everybody has done something great in their career. And so that's what needs to be brought to the forefront. When you talk about that, talk about the summary of the LinkedIn profile, that's a great time for people to learn just a little bit about who you are and what you can bring and your expertise that you have. Use it to your advantage. There's a, it's a great place for people to just kind of get that first um, understanding of who you are and what you can do. Yeah, good. So the LinkedIn profile, the the brand of it needs to flow with your resume, but the information needs to be a little bit more engaging. It can have a little bit more spice and personality, which is what the profile is meant for, right? It is social media. So the other thing I see is people having not just generic, you know, it sounds too much like a resume. It just doesn't read yeah. like a social media <laughs> profile. So we're going to come back in just a few minutes and we'll talk a little bit more about the LinkedIn profile. And then we're going to jump into branding mistakes in person, right? Either in interviewing or networking arenas. So come back in just a few minutes and we'll keep talking about these branding mistakes. Are you looking for innovative ideas on how to achieve your financial dreams? Tune in to Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday afternoon at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Join certified financial planners Ken Smith and Ethan Broga to learn how you can obtain financial success. You'll be entertained while you discover techniques to alleviate your financial concerns. Empirical Investing Radio every Thursday at 2 Pacific, 5 Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. 
You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. What does success mean to you? Is it being just like the person on the other side of the fence where the grass is supposedly greener? We harbor too many feelings of envy and suppressed anger targeted at others, and it's holding us back from our success. Tune in to Wealthy Thoughts with Richard Levy. Just by listening, you'll be empowered to make positive lifestyle changes to live the successful life that you deserve to live. Wealthy Thoughts can be heard every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Well, welcome back to The Career Confidant. And this is your host, Marie Zimina. And today we have Ruth Pankratz with us, who is a marketing expert and a career content developer, content materials person. And she has been talking with us about the top five branding mistakes that people make when they are communicating with employers or even just communicating their brand to hopefully build their career. So we've talked a little bit about the five mistakes in general, age, age, image, legacy, and communication plan. Then we've talked through how they can appear on a resume. And just before the close of the last segment, we were talking about LinkedIn and how the summary needs to differ from that resume. And I kind of talked about how it can be a little bit social. And Ruth was talking about how you can get some accomplishments in there, right? So people don't have to scroll down to the experience to see some of those top things. What do you feel about a call to action in the summary? If one's job seeker, or maybe even if you're not, what kind of call to action people put in that LinkedIn summary? Summary, great point. I think if all things on LinkedIn, this is where um, some of the biggest branding mistakes can happen. If you're happy at your job, you can have a LinkedIn profile, you can tout your skills, and you can communicate that you're happy at your organization. If you're looking for work, you can definitely tell about your skills, and you can have a call to action, which is contact me. I'm ready to work. I'm ready to help out your organization. And so that summary can really tell a lot in just a few words about what your intent is and what you're trying to do. Now, keep in mind, some people are employed. They don't want their employer to know that they're job seeking, and so you can still say that you like your organization. Maybe you don't kind of flash on the love words as much as you would if you were truly not wanting to move. Maybe you kind of tone that down just a little bit. Um, however, putting on there that you're seeking jobs when you're happily employed is going to have bad results or potential bad results. And the same thing if you talk about your great skills and then at the end you have no call to action, people may not, they'll read the profile and may not know that you're looking for work. And so you won't get any traction from that either. This is a great opportunity in social media to be able to put out there what you're looking for, some intents, and um, make sure your branding's on and get great results. Yeah, yeah. So I've I've seen a profile where it says, you know, what's next? I'm looking for my next opportunity or something where it's not, you know, that's the thing I see sometimes is that people sound desperate. And you've got to walk that fine line between a Uh good call to action and sound like, please contact me. I'm done with the work. (laughs) Absolutely. Yeah, which is a hard, it's a hard line to walk, but having other people read what you've written and really looking at, you know, is this a good call to action or does it sound like I'm desperate? And 
But I think that the other thing you said is that, you know, you can see these things in not so many words. And I, you know, people need a short summary for one reason or another, but it's okay to have a longer summary, especially mm-hmm. if your job teaching. I think that longer summary can help highlight your skills, help highlight your accomplishments before people get into the experience section of the profile. Is that... Are you on, on board with that, or do you like short summaries better? You know, I think, um, once again, you go back to how you can brand yourself. And if you're can, if you a person who says you're very concise and you can get your message across and be very concise and you don't use all the words, I think that's okay. I also think if you're a person who has a lot of information or value to add and you want to use all the space and every character to, um, space that you have, that's great, too. Just be mindful of the reader. And so if you need to break up the verbiage a little bit, some paragraphs, maybe some bullets can help. All of that would um, allow the eye to easily read over your profile. The only thing I would ever advise against is having a profile that's one huge paragraph and doesn't really say anything. Yeah. Well, and the, so before we close out on this LinkedIn profile, the other issue I see people have with LinkedIn is AIM. AIM is a big mm-hmm. one on LinkedIn because it can create three different resumes say three different things, but on LinkedIn, you need to only have one profile. And so you've got to figure out a way to tie things together in a packaged brand for LinkedIn. And I tell people that if your things are too dis- disparate, that you can't pull them together on LinkedIn, then we may think about working on your focus at a little bit deeper level because you're going to have a hard time with your career advancement if you're all over the map. Um, and, you know, there are renaissance personalities out there who do some of that. But if you're really looking for a job, you probably need to pull it together and, and package that brand for an employer, not just on LinkedIn, but to improve your job search. So if you're struggling with LinkedIn and wishing you could have multiple personalities there, we might think about going to the beginning and, and working that uh, focus, that foundation. So Ruth, let's move into talking about some of these branding mistakes in interviewing or networking. So how have you seen age play into people networking and or interviewing and maybe even playing against them a little bit? <laughs> well, you know, Marie, you bring a great point. It's not just the content that's on paper. It's what we're doing in person, and, and we make some of these um, branding mistakes. And some of it is just that unawareness, and some of it is um, bad intentions. So one of the biggest things that I'll see or hear is, oh, I have a networking event, and no thought process through as to who to meet, who to talk to, and what to even talk about. So having somebody show up at a networking event, not being able to introduce themselves, not being able to have that elevator speech, so to speak, and then also not caring who they're networking with, and then thinking the networking event was an awful mistake or a waste of time. Okay, so having that plan and maybe that falls into the lack of aim in someone's <laughs> brand. And some of the things that I've seen dealing with age, they're superficial. And I, I hate to admit times that we live in a superficial world, but I have a, a client was interviewing, had been interviewing for a couple of years, and they had been working and then got laid off and so been interviewing unemployed for about a year and not ever getting a job, go through multiple interviews and not get the job. They had graying hair, right, like half graying hair. And I didn't want to say that they needed to dye their hair. I just didn't want to believe that we lived in that world. But <laughs> someone else did, and and someone else did say that. And uh, what do you think happened probably about a month after that client dyed their hair? Oh, I'm sure they got more interviews, and I'm sure it could be two things, Marie. It could be also that person's self-perception with their dyed hair made a difference, too. You know, that confidence might have gone up. Maybe it's not just the hair dye, and I agree with you. I think it's a sad world that um, we would be that superficial, but I do think that the truth is how you're coming across, how confident you are, um, what you're interviewing for, can that aim can make a big difference. Yeah, the aim can make a difference. And that's what I talk to people. They say, well, you know, I don't want to dye my hair. Exactly. <laughs> we may need to look at the companies that you're targeting and or the mm-hmm. types of positions you're targeting to find a place where they're not going to expect a different image, right, where that image is going to fit with their expectations 
expectations of the position. And that image piece when we're interviewing, you know, I know, Ruth, have you heard how many seconds it takes for you to make your first impression? You know, I, I know on paper you got about 30 to 60 seconds, and in an interview, I believe it's a very, very short time that you're going to either connect with that hiring manager or you're going to just kind of fall flat. I'm not sure of the exact time, though. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking it was somewhere like three seconds. I thought was what I heard, but it seemed so short. And I think that when we're, when we're looking at interviewing, what can you do in that three seconds to project the image that you want? the person across you to see? What are some of the top things that you think people need to look for when they're wanting to project that image? Well, a couple of things. First off, you've got to think about the organization that you're going to interview with. Um, it's a, it, can, it can be a tight or a fine line to walk if the um, organization is very, very casual and you are interviewing in a three-piece suit. That's not to say that you should show up in jeans for your interview. You should take one step dress above what um, the organization is. However, you need to understand what the organization um, culture and expectations are that you kind of blend in a little bit more. You want to make sure that you're branding yourself correctly. Um, the other thing when you're on the interview is you've got to make sure you've got such a short time to make that good impression. Make sure that you've rehearsed or you've practiced a little bit for that interview. You'd hate to go into an interview and go, wow, you guys make widgets here? I had no idea. That makes it look like you haven't done any research. You have no idea um, how you're going to add value or what the organization even values. Yeah, and we were talking about this earlier. People will often say, well, Marie, you know, I want to sound rehearsed. And I'll say, well, Aunt, do you want to sound unprepared? Because <laughs> those are kind of your options, right? You're either going to sound like you've practiced or you're going to not be prepared for the questions that they ask. And I think if you practice enough, you can not sound so rehearsed. But I guess I would rather that you sound rehearsed than not be prepared to answer a question. Do you find that most hiring managers think the same way? Oh, I agree, Marie. I think they would much rather somebody be prepared for the interview than somebody be unprepared. And when you're starting to rehearse, one of the other great things that can come up is the way the organization operates. And so, for example, if you're a candidate who hates the mess of Twitter, you cannot stand it, you should understand that maybe in that organization, that's a huge value. And so you don't want a, a misstep because your brand is not a match for the organization's brand because you didn't do your research, because you didn't prepare. And so all that preparation will help you avoid those branding mistakes. Yeah. Yeah. And when we're talking about networking and interviewing, I think that's where part of the communication plan part comes in too. Mm -hmm. How are you communicating with the people up into that interview or networking up meeting? And then how are you connected with them afterwards? And I know some of that is starting to shift. And I, I had a client and he interviewed, and I said, you know, I like the handwritten card. And, and he said, you know, I did a little bit of thinking about that, and I just sent them an email. seemed like it was a, a better fit for my organization, and he was in the technical field. And so I said, sure, you know, that sounds like you had a conscious decision about why you did that, both based on your own brand and the, the expectations of your target audience. And so thinking about how we're communicating, you know, how are you networking with people? Are you, are you building those relationships? That's really part of that communication plan of getting your brand out, right? And sometimes people forget about that. Absolutely. And and you don't want to sit at a networking event and say, oh, yeah, LinkedIn, I love it. I use it all the time. And the person goes and tries to connect with you on LinkedIn and you um, don't accept their invitation. You know, you got to walk the walk. You got to talk the talk and understand how you can use these things to your benefit. Definitely. Definitely. So in what ways have you seen legacy come up when someone is interviewing and networking? How do we get ourselves in trouble talking about things that might make us look like we're not up to date? Oh, that, that can happen a lot. You know, it's, the networking can be a little tricky only for the sheer fact that the conversation can bounce in a lot of different directions. And one of the ways it can bounce is um, talking about a legacy system or talking about just the things in the past. And if that is, is a time of your life where you have 
great feelings around it and you're really happy, you might need to curb that enthusiasm a little bit so that it doesn't seem like you're stuck in that past thought process or that those were the greatest years of your life because life is happening now as well. So if we were to talk about um, typewriters, we'll go back to that example again, in the conversation, you know, meanders down that, that road of typewriters, you can say, oh, it was such a wonderful thing and talk about it and have some enthusiasm. However, bridge that gap. I now understand the value of computers and isn't it a good thing that we have those typewriters leading us to where we are today so that you're not stuck in that legacy of that's where the best of everything was and that's where I have my expertise and that's where I wish I could live because it's, it's moved on. Yeah. Yeah, good. Well, we are going to come back and talk a little bit more about some of these things in interviewing and networking and then move into kind of closing out with that communication plan and what are some things you can think about in terms of getting your brand out there. So we'll be back in just a few minutes. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and this is your host, Marie Zimanoff, and today we had Ruth Pancrast with us. And Ruth, I just want to give you a chance here before I close up the show to share how people can get a hold of you, how people can get in touch with you if they've been interested in what you've been talking about today. Oh, thank you, Marie. So I own a company, Gabby Communications, that's G-A-B-B-Y, communications.com. You can read about me there. I'm also on LinkedIn, Ruth Pankratz, and so you can look me up that way. I'm happy to connect with people and happy to help them in any way that I can. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Ruth. And, you know, if you've been listening, you've heard the five branding mistakes that Ruth was sharing with us, age, aim, image, legacy, and communication plan. And we've talked about those a little bit on paper, right? looking at your resume and how are you coming across? Do you look the right age, the age that you want to look, right? And that doesn't mean that we necessarily have to look 10, 20 years younger, I actually think that can hurt your brand on paper, too. If you only show dates back to 2000, and then you walk through my door and you're 50, I'm wondering, wow, where is the other 20 years of experience? And so how can you build an image on paper that is in in concurrence with the brand that you want to share, right? That is, it's out genuine. It, it is what they're going to see in person as well while not getting yourself into some of those traps. So think about that on paper. Are you clear where you're adding, where you're adding value? That's the aim part. And are you clear about who your target audience is and what their problems are? Because our documents need to address that. And then image, especially on paper, what's that first impression? And some of that has to do with silly things like formatting, font size. So print it out and look at it. Show it to some other people. Does it come across with the right image? If you're an executive, does that document look like an executive document? And some of the silly formatting and font things can make you look younger, less experienced, all of those things that aren't going to be good for your brand. And then legacy. Are you using technologies on your resume that maybe are things you're trying to get away from? Well, then start to weave them out of the document. Are you using 
communication systems in your communication plan that are going to help you get seen. And on your resume, are you getting your resume out there in a way that will get you seen? And a lot of that today is social media. And last week, we talked with Barbara Stefani about Twitter. The week before that, I did a session on social media and what what social media platforms you might want to choose for your communication plan. And so let's talk about the communication plan a little bit because branding is a proactive, active process, and communicating your brand is a big part of that process. So thinking about who your target audience is and then what ways do you want to connect with them? Are you going to connect with them through social media? If so, which mediums are you going to use, right? Are you going to use Facebook, Twitter, Google+, LinkedIn? And you can do an assessment of those to decide which ones you're going to use. Then how are you using your existing network? How are you using niche networking opportunities, right, ones that are focused on your industry or your job function? And then are there some more general networking things that make sense? And then associations and your professional ties, how are you using those? And then does it make sense for you to do some other things like write articles, blog, do some public speaking or video, all of the communication options that you would see in any marketing plan. Think about how those fit for you and how they'll connect with your target audience. So you're looking for that sweet spot between what works you and what does your target audience pay attention to and what is realistic for you, right? We don't need to start trying to take on 10 different modes of communication. Then we'll probably wear ourselves thin and our brand will be diluted and we won't be able to be consistent, which is one of the most important things in any of these communication options. And then the last thing we'll be thinking about what content do you want to share on each of those channels that really connects with your that connects with your messages and your audience. So that's the communication plan. It's looking at what mediums you want to use, what makes sense for you, what makes sense for the audience, and then what messages do you want to share that connect your skills, your values to the organizations that you're looking at. So hopefully you've been following along with us at GetCareerSmart.com, and we've been blogging there every week telling you what the show is that's coming up and then providing you with the Get Career Smart tip. And so the Get Career Smart tip today was that branding is active, and I hope that you'll get engaged in the act of branding yourself. Please feel free to reach out to me, Marie Zimanoff at Marie, M-A-R-I-E, at astrategicadvantage.com to keep moving your career forward and taking control of your career. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.